Mother's Day, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers with us here. Happy Mother's Day to all of you mothering women who are teachers, mentors, and parents. To all of you who are caretakers of the earth, keepers of the peace, seekers of justice. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers of St. Mike's, including my own mother, who is likely listening via our podcast, to which she listens every week. I love you, Mom. <laughs> Despite the history of patriarchy, we here at St. Mike's reclaim the legacy of women, of mothers in our tradition. Every mother from Eve to Mother Teresa, from Mother Mary to Mother Sally. Sally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Mother Allie. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to everyone who has ever had a mother. Mothers make life possible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, mothers. This week we get a little sample of Mother Jesus. This is one of the most mothering moments in the whole gospel. Jesus is praying. He's at the end of his life and he is praying for his beloved disciples. Or as he calls them here, those whom you gave me. It sounds like parental language, doesn't it? <laughs> those whom you gave me. As a tone of reverence and gratitude that parents feel usually when their, when their kids are asleep, for the privilege of witnessing life. Like so many mothers before, Jesus reveals deep love and concern for those whom he has been given to love. Amidst the earnest and thoughtful prayer, we get a line straight out of Monty Python. <laughs> Did you guys catch it? Did anybody hear it? <laughs> I guarded them and not one of them was lost, except the one destined to be lost. <laughs> it sounds like something right in like the life of Brian or the Holy Grail. Lord, please don't burn us. <laughs> Have you guys heard that hymn? Oh, it's so good. Give it a shot. Go give it another listen if you have not heard it. No one was lost. What about that? Oh, the one. The one was lost. <laughs> yes, the one was lost. But no one else. <laughs> no parent says, I kept all of my children safe except one. <laughs> that said, all parents face difficulties. <laughs> all parents get stressed. For insight on this passage, I think we need to turn to the exegetical insight of the great theologian from Bakersfield, Merle Haggard. As Merle sings, Mama tried to teach me better, but her pleading I denied leaves only me to blame because Mama tried. Children are hard. If you don't have any yet, just trust me. <laughs> they all give us trouble. Even Jesus gave his mom a hard time. 
You think that cross was hard on Jesus? (laughs) Talk to Mary. Whether our children are more like Merle or more like Jesus, eventually they all have to leave the nest. It is part of their growth, part of becoming themselves. In psychology, family systems theory defines self-differentiation as a crucial aspect of human development. According to Murray Brown, one of the founders of family systems theory, differentiation is the process of freeing yourself from your family's habits to define yourself. That means being able to have different opinions and values than your family members, but being able to stay emotionally connected to them. It means acknowledging your family drama without getting caught up in it. Differentiation is important for a healthy family system in all roles, whether you're a child, a parent, a grandparent, a sibling, or all of the above. Many of you have likely expressed your differentiation in being in this room today. Some of you have left home to study. Some of you have different political opinions than your families of origin. Some of you have left your family's religious tradition to seek out something more authentic, something that fits your identity. Paul Simon never put it this way, but there must be 50 ways to leave your family. (laughs) As a parent, that differentiation process can and should be a joyful one. Author Rob Bell and his wife have this wonderful teaching about kids called Launching Rockets. I love that idea that raising kids is like launching rockets. I love it because it's beautiful, but I love it because it's hard, (laughs) like rocket science. Raising kids is hard, and it can be absolutely miraculous, truly beautiful. In this teaching, Rob and Kristen say that as parents, it is not our job to raise or to indoctrinate our children. It is our job to enjoy our children. Jesus gets us. He's not a helicopter parent or a helicopter rabbi. He doesn't try to shelter his disciples. Jesus knows that the work ahead of them is hard, and he doesn't remove them from that work. Ignore for a second the distracting duality and pessimism of Jesus' reference to the, quote, world in this prayer. Consider what he petitions. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them. These disciples will have to self-differentiate. They have to go out on their own and do hard work. We know that it's hard, not because of the history of the early church, the martyrs, the legends of people being fed to lions or crucified upside down. We know that the work of spreading God's love is hard and was hard for them because it is hard. 
often feels like we are up against insurmountable odds. It feels that way when we consider that 795 million people in the world do not have enough food to lead a healthy, active life. That's about one in nine people on earth. Meanwhile, the U.S. government spends $598 billion a year on its military. (laughs) Don't you think we've got it right now? (laughs) Don't we have everything we need? Can we bring that down a few hundred billion? This is this is the ridiculous thing I was mentioning earlier. When you go to the EPA's page on climate change, do you know what it says? It says, and I quote, Thank you for your interest in this topic. We are currently updating our website to reflect the EPA's priorities under the leadership of President Trump. That's it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. While we honor mothers, we know that it is a hard job and one that many young women still come to too early. Last year, there were 230,000 babies born to teenage mothers in the United States. 230,000 teenage moms. Those young women need some comfort just as we need Comfort to help them. In the case of this prayer from Jesus, the lectionary uses the difficulties of the world as a setup for Pentecost, which is coming next week in our liturgical calendar. Okay? Because life is hard and Jesus does not want us to face the hardship alone, he promises the comforter that is, the Holy Spirit. Historically in the church, along with the Holy Spirit, comes the discussion of the Trinity, that potentially obfuscating notion that should be simpler than we make it sound. The notion that God is inherently in relationship, that God is known to us and is with us in multiple forms, but with utter unity. Oneness. We hear similar unity, similar oneness in Jesus' prayer. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. The notion of divine unity is the foundation of the Judeo-Christian faith. The most important prayer in Judaism is identified by Jesus is Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the prayer that Jesus is identifying. This is the prayer that is over Jewish households on the doorstep. Shema. Shema Yisrael. When Jesus prays for unity among his disciples, he is appealing to this. He's drawing on the old age power of self-differentiated individuals bonding together for a greater good. It reminds me of fire ants. 
while I don't normally associate fire ants with the greater good, they do represent the power of unified individuals. Aside from wreaking havoc on our personal property, fire ants do something very special when they are around water. They bind together so tightly that water cannot permeate their bond. There are videos of people testing this by putting a clump of fire ants on, uh, in some water and trying to push them underwater. As they do this, the water surface, because of the water surface tension, bends to, to the point where it's actually below the height of the, of the ant clump. It's amazing to see. You, should get, you definitely need to hop on YouTube and check this out. <laughs> but eventually, even if they take the ants and push them under underwater, the ants have their bonds so tightly wrapped that they trap the air and they, so that you cannot drown the fire ants. In times of a flood, uh, fire ants will actually take all of their colony, take their queen, take the larva and everything, and make a big raft and pile everyone on there together and float until they can start a whole new, new uh, colony somewhere else. Great. Amazing. I know, right? That is the power. I know. Yeah. That is the power of unity. It is the power of self-differentiated individuals working together. That is the comfort of Jesus that he is trying to give us. Unity, oneness, not having the same opinions or interests, but taking who we are, what we love, and sharing it in such a way that it builds up those around us. Taking the love we've been given and sharing it with the next generation. It is the comfort of knowing that we are not alone in this world. We are part of a continuity, a family of self-differentiated individuals that stretches back through our parents, our teachers, our mentors, our churches, our jobs, through that long lineage of strong women who weave together to form the fabric of life so that all human life can flourish like a tree planted by the water. Or like ants afloat in a flood. We remember those whom God has given us. And we find our place in the unity of eternity. Amen.